0: Hey, Dan. Hey, Faith. What's a ghost's favorite plant?
1: I don't know. What is a ghost's favorite plant? Bamboo. Boo.
0: The late night fright begins now.
1: Only on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. You are listening to WKMF Cozy Corner. It's the Witching Hour, time for the Late Night Fright, with your host, Dan and Faith. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Late Night Fright. I am your host, Dan, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, the owner of the Cozy Cafe, everyone's favorite barista, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. We had an interesting show last time, don't you think?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: How did how did you make out during the zombie apocalypse?
0: I somehow made it out okay. Um <laughs>
1: it was rough uh, yeah it was It was rough <laughs> there are no words to describe no not at all what that was like so my question to you is do you think any of your ex-boyfriends will be calling in this week and will they be casting spells
0: let's just hope not i, I know the cake ball situation is what's been on the rise lately and-
1: Well, this could have been avoided if you just sold cake balls at the Cozy Cafe. But the recent zombie apocalypse did move Cozy Corner up from the third strangest city in America to number two. And we have a message. Duluth, we're coming for you. We have a pretty good show for you tonight. We are going to be talking about a few movies. Faith, what are we going to be talking about tonight?
0: We are going to be talking about Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. The remakes. The
1: remakes. We saw them at the King's Palace Drive-In Theater just this week. It was supposed to be a double bill of the originals, but someone in the office made a mistake. We don't hold it against them. They are going out of business after 50 years to make way for this new Welsh Jennings facility that no one quite knows what it is that they do. But so we're going to be talking about those films. We have our good friend Bobby he is down in the cozy corner town square because today is Flatulous day and faith happy Flatulous day
0: happy Flatulous day d2 thank
1: you very much this is one of the oldest traditions in cozy corner and i might add this is one of the things that got us on that weirdest cities in america list to begin with
0: that's that's incredible
1: everyone looks forward to this every year so we have bobby he's live from remote in the town square we're going to be throwing it out to him in a little while uh, we have a new track from our resident songwriter here in cozy corner weird gal She's been a great friend of the show, and we look forward to presenting that to you. But first, the news.
0: The Cozy Corner Council recently gave Madame Hill of Madame Hill's Juju Emporium the key to the city for her part in stopping the recent zombie apocalypse brought on by Greg Huffleplank, also known as Lothar. Mayor Lucius Morningstar said that while he agrees that the herd needs to be thinned out, he did not agree with Lothar's methods, and added that when the time comes, he himself will be the instrument in all of our dooms. Madame Hill said she will be ready and also wants everyone to know that she has a new batch of her signature home-brewed teas available at Madame Hill's Juju Emporium. For those of you unfamiliar with Flatulist Day, here's Dan with a special historical perspective on one of Cozy Corner's oldest traditions.
2: was 1699. There lived in the
1: tiny hamlet of Cozy Corner a young woman named Frida Freeman. No one remembered when she took up residence in the recently founded town, and none knew from whence she came, but the young woman's sweet nature, humble disposition, and especially her baked goods cast a spell over the men, women, and particularly the children of Cozy Corner. Frida's first and only love was baking, Her homemade treats were legendary around Cozy Corner and many an inquisitive child and sometimes their mothers and fathers were shooed away from her window as she went about her baking. It was from this very window sill in her kitchen that Frida Freeman would set up shop selling her cakes, pies, and pastries. Frida Freeman is a fine and goodly woman, wrote Mayor Roger Mather in his journal. I hope she never marries, for then her first duty would be to her husband and not to the sweet treats she so clearly loves to bake. It would be a pity were we to be deprived of her tasty morsels. Indeed, Frida Freeman saw her duty in life as being to her village and not to just one man. She had many offers of marriage and she rebuffed every single one of them with the same sweetness and grace that she lived her life. Her suitors never walked away angry. They and the town understood that she was a free spirit. Cozy Corner offered Frida Freeman love and freedom. She accepted that gift and reflected it back tenfold. All was well. And then Reverend Nathaniel Cotton arrived. Nathaniel Cotton was the new minister of the Church of Cozy Corner. His father, Horace Cotton, had been a major figure in the witch trials of Salem, Haddonfield, and Springwood. For Nathaniel Cotton, the world was made of sharp angles cast from black and white. There were no shades of grey. There was only the Lord's word, and his word was final and absolute, unless Nathaniel saw fit to overrule it. Nathaniel Cotton arrived in Cozy Corner with Bible in hand and puritanical wrath in his heart, a wrath that was soon replaced by unrequited lust upon seeing Frida Freeman for the first time. Nathaniel Cotton knew that with God on his side, he would always get what he wanted, and he wanted Frida Freeman. Cotton pursued her with the fervor of a man possessed, but as was her way, Frida Freeman rebuffed each and every advance with sweetness and kindness. This only served to harden Nathaniel Cotton's heart and strengthened his resolve to destroy the young woman. If he could not have her, no one would. Frida Freeman very rarely ventured from her kitchen, for Frida Freeman had a terrible secret. Frida's stomach did not process sugar like everyone else's. Sugar gave her an upset stomach. And when she had an upset stomach, she had terrible gas, the stench of which would gag old Scratch himself. No one in Cozy Corner noticed it, for Frida always had something baking in her oven. As the 20th anniversary of the founding of Cozy Corner approached, it was decided that the small hamlet would celebrate with a great festival. Frida Freeman was urged to set up a booth in the town square, apprehensive but grateful for the love and acceptance her adopted town had given her Frida agreed. She spent the week leading up to the anniversary festival making all manner of delicious delicacies. She worked all day and all night getting ready. Frida Freeman ingested a lot of sugar during that week, more than her unusually delicate system was used to handling. On the day of the festival, Reverend Nathaniel Cotton approached Frida Freeman's booth and once again proposed marriage to her. She gently declined him, but the wrathful Reverend's insistent fervor had begun to upset her. Her stomach responded in kind. She passed the slightest of gas. Reverend Nathaniel Cotton was the first to smell it. In a journal entry written much later in his life, he described it as smelling of the Devil's dung heap. Cotton had been perplexed as to why the young maiden kept refusing a gentleman of his stature and looks. Now he had his answer. She was obviously possessed by something demonic. It was there in the cozy corner town square on the anniversary of the founding that Reverend Nathaniel Cotton accused Frida Freeman of being a witch and conspiring with a demon known as Flatulus. She was taken into custody. The town supported her against a puritanical reverend, but then something unforeseen happened. Because of Frida's baked goods, the town of Cozy Corner had been on a prolonged sugar high. As blood sugar levels began returning to normal, the citizens of Cozy Corner became angry, as angry as the Reverend Nathaniel Cotton. They turned their anger on Frida Freeman. She was convicted and sentenced to burn at the stake, She accepted her fate and said nothing to the people she had once called friends. A smug cotton lit the pyre himself. Her ashes, like powdered sugar, floated up into the air and eventually settled over the town. The townspeople of Cozy Corner, their blood sugar back to tolerable levels, realized they had made a great mistake. They censured Reverend Nathaniel Cotton and excommunicated him from the town with the decree, He who smelt it must have dealt it. The town fathers didn't decreed that every year on the date of Frida Freeman's burning would from thenceforth be known as Flatless Day, so that none would forget.
0: That was lovely.
1: Isn't it amazing how the music came up underneath me when I was talking, almost like the whole thing was pre recorded?
0: Yeah.
1: This is as good a point as any to take a break. But before we go to break, we have a new segment. This is called The Booger of the Week.
0: Booger of the Week?
1: The Booger of the Week. Why Booger? I knew you were thinking that. Why Booger of the Week? When I was a very young boy, my uncle called the boogeyman the Booger Man, And thus, any movie with a monster in it became a booger movie. So we are going to introduce the Booger of the Week. It was good enough for my uncle. It's good enough for me. Hungarian-born Bela Lugosi is rightly remembered for his iconic turn as a title character in Universal Studios' 1931 film version of Bram Stoker's Dracula, but it is his appearances as Igor in the films Son of Frankenstein and Ghost of Frankenstein that may be his most fun. Lugosi's charisma shines through the heavy makeup he wears as the blacksmith with a broken neck and twisted back. Son of Frankenstein marked Lugosi's first appearance in the Universal Frankenstein series. The actor was originally cast as the monster in James Whale's original 1931 film, but left the project. After several down years in the business, Lugosi is clearly having fun playing Igor, and it is a treat to watch him perform. Walking the line between sinister and comical with ease, Lugosi more than holds his own against the great Karloff and Basil Rathbone, and he gets to deliver one of my favorite lines in movie history His mother was the
2: lightning.
1: Igor is our Booger of the Week.
3: It's Mike Kine for Welsh Jennings. All of you have been asking, what is Welsh Jennings? Welsh Jennings is a company that backed a truckload of money up to my house and said, do our commercials. Welsh Jennings. Don't worry about what they do.
1: Worry about what you are. Welsh Jennings. Welsh
3: Jennings. I'm Michael Kine.
1: Welsh Jennings.
0: Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, specializing in amulets, talismans, and spell books. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, located on Sacred Burial Road next to King's Drive In Theater. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, Juju for you.
3: This is Bobby, host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright. If you are getting it on, thinking about getting it on, or perhaps have just gotten it on, then Afterglow is the show for you. Join me as I play the best classic soul and r and slow jams. My show is responsible for having made more babies than any show in the history of shows. Fact. My show is also responsible for having played the 1972 Tower Power classic Still a Young Man more than any show in the history of shows. Fact. Come get it on with me bobby every friday night after the late night fright
4: afterglow love that bobby
3: yeah i know
1: wkmf cannot verify the validity of any claims made by bobby but we do urge you to listen to his show This week's films, 2009's Friday the 13th, and 2010's A Nightmare on Elm Street were both produced by Platinum Dunes, the production company of Transformers director Michael Bay and his partners Brad Fuller and Andrew Form. Platinum Dunes had found success producing modestly budgeted remakes of classic horror films starting with 2003's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and 2005's The Amityville Horror it was inevitable that the company would resurrect Reagan-era Hall of Fame teenage killers Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger. On February 13, 2009, just in time for Valentine's Day, the undead hockey goalie from hell Jason Voorhees once again terrorized Crystal Lake. The film was directed by Marcus Nispel on a $19 million budget and starred Jared Padalecki, Danielle Panabaker, Amanda Righetti, Aaron Yu, Ryan Hansen, Nana Visitor, and Derek Mears as Jason Voorhees. Mark Swift and Damian Shannon, the screenwriters responsible for Freddy vs. Jason, pinned the script. Producers wanted to incorporate elements from the first four Friday the 13th films, and producer Brad Fuller said of Voorhees, We do not want him to be sympathetic. Jason is not a comedic character. He is not sympathetic. He's a killing machine, plain and simple. Actor Derek Mears described him as a combination of John Rambo, Tarzan, and the Abominable Snowman from the Looney Tunes cartoons. The film grossed $65 million upon its release, reviews on the film were mixed, and Aaron Yu's performance as Chewy was praised. To date, there have been no new entries in the franchise. But none of this really matters. Faith, what did you think of the 2009 remake of Friday the 13th?
0: Well, to put it as nicely as I can, I would rather be the girl chained up in Jason's dungeon than never have to sit through that movie ever again.
1: I also would rather have been the girl chained up in Jason's dungeon. Let me ask you this question before we get into some specifics. At what point in this film did you emotionally check out?
0: Ooh, instantly, I feel like. (laughs) Instantly? Instantly, I feel, ugh.
1: It was it was pretty early on. In fact, I think it was actually during the twenty. That's exactly the twenty-one minute. It was pointless.
0: I was instantly bored.
1: So let me let me preface this conversation that we're about to have. Um, Some of you out there probably love this movie. You some of you might like it a whole lot. We obviously (laughs) did not. Um, If you like this movie. Wave your freak flag. Let it fly. That uh, We are not criticizing you. We're not criticizing anyone who made the movie. We know what it's like to be on the creative side of things. Sometimes things don't go the way that you think that they're going to go. And they have some top-notch, hard-working people that worked on this movie. And this is in no way critical of them. Just the final product. And I don't think... I didn't think it was very good. Not at all. Not at all. So... I think any discussion uh, with a remake like this we really need to go back and talk about the series that sprang it and this is actually the 12th film in the Friday the 13th series now it is technically a remake and as we said in the little bumper uh, they were looking at the first four movies in particular but let's go back to the series itself faith what do you think of the Friday the 13th series in general
0: I've always loved the Friday the 13th movies. They're some of the first horror movies I've actually ever seen growing up. So I've always had a soft spot for Jason. But this movie to me didn't even feel like a Friday the 13th movie, if that makes any sense.
1: It makes total sense. Did it feel like anything to you? What If it felt like something, what did it feel like?
0: I don't even know how to describe it. It just felt like a teenage movie with... A killer loose in the woods.
1: Uh, A killer loose, a territorial killer.
0: Not even Jason Voorhees at all. A
1: territorial killer loose in the woods. Now, that's a great point because that's something that I want to get into. uh, So keep that in mind. Who and what is Jason Voorhees? And uh, Friday the 13th for me, it's kind of like the blues. Uh, Musicians coming up, you learn how to play the blues. It's one of the things that you start off with. Uh, Jason is one of those kind of all he's an all-american icon Uh, He is on the Mount Rushmore of slashers for me And I wanted to bring this up last week when we talked about Scream But I do believe there's a Mount Rushmore of slashers And my Mount Rushmore has Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, your boyfriend, Michael Myers (laughs) And I would put Leatherface on there just because he's one of the original. He's one of I the granddaddies too. of this. So,
0: Is that your order of how you're placing uh, them?
1: It's just who's on it. I don't really have an order. I have an order. Go. What's your order? Mine
0: is obviously my boyfriend, Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Jason is second. Very good. You're not going to like this, but Leatherface comes before Freddy Krueger.
1: That is quite all right. You saved the best for last. That's yeah. that's all right. So when I think of the Friday the 13th movies, they're like I said, it's kind of like the blues. They are what they are. They're some of them are very fun some of them are very convoluted when you have 12 movies in a franchise it you're going to hit and you're going to miss i've
0: never even seen all of them i've only seen the few originals just cuz i mean you know after 8000 movies um
1: i've i have seen them all and they do run they do run together but this movie i i like the idea that they went into it with like we said in the bumper that they wanted to take the first four movies they wanted to not have jason be a sympathetic character so much not a comedic character and i've always found though that these slasher movies the horror and the comedy kind of go together there's a very thin line between them
0: i agree i
1: agree there's a there's a catharsis about you need to laugh and if you're watching something horrific that you need to see it through to the end you need to get to the end of it true very good And so that's kind of the series. So they're they're rebooting the series. Great. But let's get to the central character because you cannot talk about this franchise without talking about Jason Voorhees. And who is Jason Voorhees to you?
0: To me, he is this unbelievably strong entity that you just cannot kill. There's absolutely nothing to stop him. And I feel like in this movie, I don't know if you agree with me, he just feels like he's not that same strong unbreakable person
1: he, he doesn't feel like a force of nature
0: right there you go
1: and I was I was thinking about this when, when I was watching the movie and like I said to talk about Friday the 13th you have to talk about Jason and talking about Jason in the remake you have to talk about what came before because that is the icon and to me Jason is uh, he's a force of nature he's almost like a woodland spirit and he's territorial And these movies, the old Friday the 13th movies, kind of get a wrap. And this new movie goes there where the bad kids get killed. The ones who are into the sex and the drugs and the rock and roll, they get killed. But there's always the final girl, the virtuous final girl. But Jason's movies break that rule quite a bit. Jason kills just because.
5: Mm
1: -hmm. And he's very territorial. And... He seems to be linked to the earth because there's always a storm in those movies. Mm -hmm. He's linked to the water and there's a storm and this howling spirit of the earth comes through. And I was thinking about this as we were getting ready to do the show. There's a a great quote by George Carlin and George Carlin talked about humanity and the earth. And he said something along the lines of how are we going to save the earth? the earth has been here billions of years before us. It can shake us off like a bad case of fleas. And Jason is very territorial. He wants no one in the woods. He is shaking them off like a bad case of fleas. And I think that with Jason, Freddie has a target kill zone of teenagers. He's going after the kids of the, of the parents that burned him. Michael Myers, he goes after
0: babysitters.
1: And who else does he? He goes after his family oh, too, yeah, doesn't that's he? True. Mm-hmm. he yeah. So depending on what Halloween timeline you're in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because apparently there's three now, I think. <laughs> there's three or four. I don't know. We might have to we're gonna have to check all that out. We'll have a Venn diet we'll have a, a chart and a graph up yes. on the up on the website soon. Mm-hmm. But um Jason seems to be very indiscriminate. See, that's a, with
0: that's a really good point that's very good because like you said freddy's after to the revenge of these teenagers of the parents who killed him and then jason's just whoever enters
1: it, it, you're, freddy you're done F- freddy has hell been on revenge jason doesn't seem to be been on revenge now there is a sympathetic element to him i think and with the drowning but he's still he's a he's a force of nature. Now the one thing that I did like that they did that they did in this movie, um, I did like what they talked about the John Rambo aspect of it. I did like that he's out there and he's a survivor, and I did like the quickness that he had. Yeah, I uh, do too. That you saw in that first scene, he wasn't the. But I've never thought of him as lumbering either. But and he does in some of the films, but I, I liked. That aspect of it, but the movie itself just didn't, uh, just didn't do it for me. Now, getting getting into the movie, I will admit I like the Friday the Thirteenth movies. They are not my favorite of the franchises. Were you confused by the mythology here? Yeah,
0: a little bit. I mean, this whole time I'm thinking he drowned, and then I'm sitting there kind of confused watching this movie.
1: Because in the in one of the later films, because he 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 dies in part four, right, and then part six part five uh, Even I think the fans don't even like to talk about part five <laughs> but part six Jason lives which is considered by many to be possibly the best in the franchise he comes back but this is this is uh, zombie Jason this is yeah. he is undead Jason he is a true force of nature in, in from those movies on and I was very confused by the mythology so did he drown did he I don't know that, I'm, I'm
0: asking myself that I, question too. <laughs> I was
1: I was asking my, I was asking myself that question too. Um let's let's talk about the kids in this movie, especially in the beginning. Let's talk about the let's talk about the opening prologue because that opening prologue. Now we watched the killer cut is what they had running. 20, 22 is, minutes yeah. I believe that prologue was of
0: like just dead time that was unnecessary. Of, of
1: dead time that was unnecessary. Yeah, now to me. I was thinking to myself, did this movie feel like it was trying to be hip, like Scream?
0: I think so, but it just didn't succeed to that level.
1: The, did the teenagers feel natural to you,
0: mm.
1: or did they feel like movie teenagers?
0: Movie teenagers.
1: <laughs> and let, let's let's go one pass. It did they feel like movie teenagers, or did they feel like the CW network? The, the CW, yeah, teenagers, mm-hmm. and everybody had their little zone. Especially yeah. in that that first 20 uh-huh. minutes and there was the stoner yeah. and there was the virgin and there was the bad girl and there was the good guy and the virtuous girl. And one thing I will give this movie credit for, it did try to have a story. It did try to have a through line with the brother and sister story.
0: Yeah, but let's get back to literally talking about how it started. All of that was pointless they only spoke about Camp Crystal Lake and like this legend of Jason for like two seconds, I felt like. And then that was it.
1: I I felt like the movie. I'll be honest, I, I, I don't think that this movie quite knew what it wanted to do. Mm. I felt like it it went in listening as again, going back to the bumper with what the producer said. I do feel like they went in with best intentions to make a great. They, they thought they were going to make this great mythological Jason movie and. I didn't. I didn't get that. It no. felt like First Blood with Stallone. It, it. It. You know, especially when he started shooting the arrows at the boat. You know, and <laughs> it. Um. And the thing is, it it could have been very silly, but a lot of fun, and I didn't have any fun I didn't watching this. I.
5: Either.
1: I it just it felt it like I, I wanted
0: said, to literally fast forward through, the first twenty five minutes of that movie.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so let's talk about just some particulars of, of the character and the iconography. What did you think of him finding the hockey mask?
0: It was an interesting moment because I always, obviously, when I see a hockey mask, I think Jason, but a part of me really likes him with a sack over his head. If, right. <laughs> that's a it, weird there thing was, to There say. was something, something kind There's of endearing. There's something mysterious and interesting and weird about that.
1: And... And the sack on the head, again, because they said they wanted to look at those first four movies. And the sack mm-hmm. on the head was a direct callback yep. to the second part. And then he finds the hockey mask in three. And thus, the legend of the undead hockey right. goalie is truly born. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought that stuff was great. The way that they were incorporating historical elements of the character. Yeah,
0: that was that was great.
1: And with that said, the thought that ran through my head was this felt like a greatest hits album by a cover band (laughs) 100% that it was a Beatles tribute band doing the red and blue sets and
0: not authentic not
1: it's something just felt just felt a little a little off Mm -hmm. Um, and and Daniel Panabaker Mm -hmm. kind of stuck out to me I thought she I thought she actually did a really good job Yeah, she Uh, was my favorite I uh, I thought that the guy that, that played Jason did a wonderful job with yeah. with what he had. Again, he he was playing a guy in a hockey mask. Yeah. Named hey, Jason.
0: What, yeah. What more can you really? Do? What more? <laughs> what
1: more can you really can you really do? Um. Two more questions, two more, and we're gonna and we're we're gonna go into a break. Freddie yeah, right. Freddy versus Jason.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a great shot in that movie towards the end the fog scene uh, the fog Mm -hmm. scene at crystal lake Mm -hmm. and you're you're it's a long shot on him and there's that mist around him and they start with a and he starts walking and lumbering and it is just iconic friday the 13th Mm -hmm. did you feel that this movie had anything like that in it
0: not really no what about you
1: I didn't I didn't feel like, like it had that. I felt like it thought it had it when he put the hockey mask on.
0: That, and I feel like there was a moment when there was some fire kind of around him. I'm trying to remember what scene it was. I think the guy was stuck by his ankle or something, and yes. he was kind of far out, and there was fire around when him. I think they the, were attempting something like that, but it just didn't, right. it it didn't just, reach full potential. It didn't
1: quite reach full potential. Mm-mm. Now, uh, with this show, we don't want to get into, if we don't like something, what we would have done to make it better but let me ask this question
5: Mm -hmm.
1: there's one scene in the movie I really really liked and I think you liked it too and the main character I think his name is Dean is looking for his sister and he's going putting up flyers and he goes to this old lady's house and the dog comes up to the door and 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 he's scared of the dog and he asks if he can put the flyer up and she tells him that that girl's probably dead Mm -hmm. because he got her And I got the idea that there was this whole mythology that was going on. There is this whole other movie that we didn't see that these, these people in this town know Mm -hmm. what's going on.
0: That's the movie I want to watch. I
1: wanted to see that movie too, that he has established his territory. He does not come into their territory. They don't go into his territory. The, the, The spirit of nature has, has established the boundaries and they are very aware of it and stay away. And, I wanted to see that movie and it reminded me, me of Betty White feeding the feeding the monster <laughs> in Lake Placid, you know, that, yep. yeah, I I would have liked to have seen that movie Um, to our audience. Let us know. Send, send in an email, late night fright.com. That is our website and be sure to sign up. We're going to be doing some email giveaways and offers and offering news updates possibly selling some show merch but if you have some thoughts on this if you agree, disagree, please feel free to let us know and you never know we might just read your letter on the air Alright Faith, I know you have been looking forward to this.
0: Oh absolutely Are we getting ready to talk to Bobby? Setting up a Flatulous Day aren't we?
1: Bobby is in the town square Bobby as you may or may not know is the host of Afterglow The show that comes on after the late night fright and bobby he's been a good friend to this show for a long time he is another survivor of the zombie apocalypse that happened last week in fact he called in include us in to what was going on in town but he's been a friend for a long time and he is actually in the town square and we are going live to bobby now bobby are you with us
3: yeah i'm down here in the town square they sent them for flatulence day they got a lot of food being set up. You know, they got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, hey, Faith, uh, you gonna be setting up anything from the cozy cafe?
0: Yeah, we'll have some coffee and some, some probably some snacks to choose from.
3: You gonna have any of them cake balls?
0: No, unfortunately, no cake balls.
3: You know, a lot of the misery that happened last week could have been avoided if we'd had the cake balls. I am just saying anyway moving on so uh, we got a lot of people down here because you know this thing starts at dawn it starts at dawn and i don't know about y'all but i'm just getting started when the sun comes up you know what i mean i'm kidding i'm kidding not really um anyway hey Faith, they setting up a lot of stuff over here let me ask you something, because you're in the food service industry i am noticing uh, uh, a lot of plates out here and the plates are all circles and I'm, I'm, I'm very confused because they call it three square meals a day but like all the plates are circles like what is up with that? You got any insight into that?
0: No Bobby, that's just a style of plate. Doesn't matter if it's, well, it's
3: very confusing. I think you can see where I'm coming from with that. Anyway, sure. so we down here, we got a lot of good people. I mean, they are doing the free to freeman bake off. You know, they got the uh they got the uh cozy corner chili cook-off going on, gonna be some finger pulling, we're gonna burn that effigy of Nathan Cotton, cause you know, he wasn't a good guy. Anyway, but uh we got a trio. Uh, We got a little trio. They play over there at uh, Ivan the Terribles. And they're called Polly Walnuts. And let me tell you all something. I'm very excited about this. Very excited about this. They're going to be playing some of my favorite music from my favorite Italian composer, William Joel.
0: Uh, Bobby?
3: Mm Mm-hmm? He's Jewish. No. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Okay, look. I ain't got nothing against the Jewish people. I love the Jewish people. Okay, Jesus was a Jew. Okay, and I know a lot of good Jewish people. My best friend Eddie Goldstein in school coming up. Okay, I played the drainer with him. But Billy Joel—he's one of them guys that made being Italian in the '70s real cool. You know, like Al Pacino and Robert De Niro and Sylvester Stallone. You know what I mean? Come on, Faith—he's not—he's not Jewish. I promise you, he's Jewish. Well, I tell you something, man, my, my whole world just been turned upside down. Huh. Huh. I'm so sorry to break it to you. I wish I had a cake ball. Back to you.
1: Faith, I, I think you broke his heart.
3: I think I did.
1: But seriously, why do they call it three square meals a day uh, when I the plates are circular? I don't know. I would love to get inside of his head. Me too. Just for how long do you think you could go? Maybe 30, 30 seconds? Yes. Just <laughs>
0: 25, 30 seconds tops.
1: 25, 30 seconds. I've always said this about Bobby, and and we love him. He's the kind of guy that sweats hair gel.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Yes, we love yes. him. Hey, the phone lines are lighting up. Are you ready to take a phone call?
0: I am. Who do we have?
1: After last week, you, you're sure you want to take phone calls?
0: I'm pretty sure.
1: All right, let's do it. You are on the air with the Late Night Fright with your hosts, Dan and Faith, here on WKMF Cozy Corner Radio. Well, hey there, Dan and Faith. This is, this is Ross Roberts, of what I'm looking at. You know, it comes on Sunday mornings after Holy Smoke.
0: Hey, Ross, how you doing?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Hey, Ross, what's on your mind? Well, uh, I gotta be real quiet right now. I'm a. I'm back up here in the woods, uh, you know, uh, off a of sacred burial road, uh, and uh, I've, been, I've been looking at some things. And what I'm looking at right now is uh, I'm looking at a I'm looking at a black mass, and uh, there's some hooded figures out there, and uh, well, they've got a cauldron going, and
2: and smoke is rising out of this cauldron, and, and if you listen real close, you can hear them chanting, and uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. I think
3: they're trying to raise the spirit of Flatulus. I think that's what they're doing.
1: Flatulus, the demon spirit that the Reverend Nathaniel Cotton accused Frida Freeman of, of being in cahoots with. Is that is that what you're telling us? That, that's what I'm telling you. I'm, I'm, I'm back up here in the woods, and I'm.
5: I think I'm seeing the Cozy Corner Society of Dark Wizards, or maybe the Dark Wizard Society of Cozy
1: Corner, and they are performing a séance with a cauldron, and I believe they're trying to raise the evil spirit known as flatulence. I want you two kids to be safe. And Faith, by the way, I saw what you were wearing yesterday in the cafe. It was lovely. I think you look really nice in plaid flannel.
0: Thank you so much.
1: I know you didn't see me, but I did see you. And Faith, I just want to tell you that if you feel like someone's watching you, you're not alone god bless y'all i hope to see y'all on the other side goodbye that was uh
0: wow
1: that was that was very interesting all right that's uh do you do you have any thoughts on that
0: not really i'm just worried about who's watching me now
1: well you're not alone <sighs> not yeah this is not. this is as good a place as any to take a break We are Dan and Faith. This is the Late Night Fright. Things might get a little weird tonight. I don't know. We'll see. We'll be back after these messages.
2: This is Dr. Palladium with my new creation, the Murder Bot. Available now, at the Dark Depository. I am Murderbot, created by Dr. Perlanium. I will plan murder, execute murder, clean crime scene, and dispose of body. I am Murderbot. I am also available for math and children's parties. I am Murderbot. Murderbot. Murderbot kill. Buy two murders and the third is free. Ah, <laughs> uh, Did you hear about the wise guy with Alzheimer's? Forget about it. Mob comic. He's a made man made to make you laugh. Me and Mickey Montalbano
3: was walking down the street. He looks at me and says, My street name is Walnuts. So I kicked him in the crotch. He asked why, I said, Because my street name is Nutcracker. Bada-bing!
2: Mob comic. He's a real wise guy.
3: What you call a bunch of wise guys under a palm tree at the beach? Made in the shade.
2: Mob comic. He's put a hit out on laughter. You guys
3: want to know how Italian I am? How Italian are you? I
2: sweat I love oil. Mob comic. Coming to the Cozy Corner Arena. Hey, Faith. Yeah?
1: Which ghost is the best dancer?
0: I don't know which one.
1: The Boogeyman. Boo. We'll be right back. I'm Jeff Fanghorn with the WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio News Update. Authorities are still looking for Greg Huffleplank better known as Lothar, for questioning regarding his involvement in the recent zombie apocalypse that swept through Cozy Corner. If you have any information regarding his whereabouts, please inform the Cozy Corner police. It's Fletchless Day here in Cozy Corner. Festivities will include the annual Frida Freeman Bake Off, the Cozy Corner Chili Roundup, a burning of the effigy of Reverend Nathaniel Cotton, and lots of finger-pulling. In national news, there's a new bestseller atop the charts. Harrison Ford's autobiography, Fly Yes, Land No, is breaking sales records. Analysts attribute the record breaking numbers to the actor's apathetic and surly audiobook reading of the biography. Here is an excerpt.
2: (sighs) The first time I read Star Wars, I thought it was stupid. What the fuck is this shit? I thought then I saw the movie and I thought, what the fuck is this shit? George, you're stupid. May the force be with you. Force yourself, and you know it! I'm Jeff Fanghorn, and this has been your WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio News Break. Now, back to the late night fright with your hosts, Dan and Finn.
1: In 2010's The Nightmare on Elm Street remake, the producers decided to use Wes Craven's original 1984 film as a template, but make it scarier. The decision was made to return Kruger to his darker roots. Gone were the quips that had come to epitomize the Robert Englund character in later installments of the franchise. Instead, a darker tone was employed and Kruger, through the use of CGI, had the appearance of an actual burn victim. The producers wanted to explore what made him a monster. Was it the way he looked or what was buried under the surface? While early reports had Billy Bob Thornton mentioned as a candidate to replace England, the role went to Oscar nominee Jackie Earl Haley. Rooney Mara, Kyle Gallner, Thomas Decker, and Katie Cassidy rounded out the cast of terrorized teens, while Clancy Brown and Connie Britton added support as the parents hiding a secret. The film, directed by Samuel Baer and written by Wesley Strick, found this Kruger not just a child murderer, but a child molester, an idea Craven scrapped for the 1984 film. The film grossed $63 million against a $35 million budget and was not a hit with critics or audiences. But none of this really matters. Faith, what did you think of the remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street?
0: I think it would have been less painful to be attacked by Freddy Krueger himself than to watch that movie.
1: I also think it would have been less painful to have been attacked by Freddy Krueger than to watch that movie. Now, here's the big question with this, and we did this with Friday the 13th, where we went back into the original series and we talked about Jason Voorhees and what makes that series. But Freddy is a different kind of beast because in the whole movie, in the whole horror movie history, Freddy is very unique in that. He has a personality and he does not wear a mask and even though they put Robert England under all that makeup back in 1984, his face comes through. His personality mm-hmm. comes through and I think to properly talk about this movie, we need to talk about not only the original movie, but we need to talk about the character of Freddy Krueger and and who he is. So. To you, who is Freddy Krueger?
0: To me, he is a child murderer who is a complete monster. That's what he is to me.
1: What makes him a monster?
0: Everything about him. The way he laughs, the way he talks, the way he kills people, the way he looks at them with his eyes. He's just pure evil.
1: He is pure evil. He, and again, he has a very special place in movie monster history or booger movies if you will and he is my favorite booger um he takes sadistic pleasure in what he does and he's not afraid to let you know let me tell you who i think Freddy krueger is Freddy krueger is the brainchild of a very brilliant man named wes craven and wes craven was a very literate man. He was a college professor. He understood mythology and he understood storytelling. And what he gave us is, in my very humble opinion, one of the maybe 10 greatest characters, not villains, characters of the 20th century. He knew what he was doing. And this character to me is not only in line with the classic movie monsters, he is in line with the classic mythological monsters mm-hmm. he is the minotaur in the maze he is the hydra he is anything that you want to put your fears on he is that he is old testament biblical wrath of god yeah. he is terrifying
0: it's very true
1: and it's not just because of how he looks but let's talk about how he looks and Let's go back to that 1984 movie and let's talk a little bit about the guy who played him. What do you see when you look at Robert Englund?
0: Pure evil. He's scary looking. Just looking at him.
1: He's very very scary. And not only is he scary to look at, it is everything about the Mm -hmm. way he moves. Exactly. It is that face covered in shadow by that hat and it is Mm -hmm. that glove and what is brilliant about that character is you can see him in silhouette and you know who it is yep and uh, again going back to the mythology Wes Craven smart wise man that he was that was not just to get in on that slasher craze where everyone had to have a weapon that was a very deliberate choice that he made because the glove represents an animal claw a mm-hmm. bear a like a big bear hand and, and we as humans are very susceptible to animal attack and so everything about freddy krueger at least as portrayed in the 1984 through 2003 film series it has has this air of mythology and subconscious fear layered on it and before we get into this film, I want you to, to make a point because you have said this quite a bit recently about Robert Englund. What stands out the most to you about him in that Freddy Krueger getup?
0: His eyes, one hundred percent.
1: His eyes, mm-hmm. and what are they? What are they telling you? What are you? See, what are you feeling when you look at those eyes?
0: Intimidated, I'm terrified.
1: There's there's a there's an unbalanced to him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's a lot like Michael Keaton in the Batman scene yeah. where you know there's there's a level of crazy intensity yeah. happening under here, and um, I I can't say enough good things about him as Freddy Krueger. Me neither. And uh, we we saw this recently. There was a picture they showed the very first makeup test. Uh, Robert Englund was sitting in the chair. And you made this comment, as you've made so many times about him recently, because we've been talking about him quite a bit. But he was there. He was getting painted. In fact, the makeup wasn't finished yet. But what did you notice in that picture? His eyes. His eyes. He was already there. He
0: was already in character completely.
1: So the makeup helped him bring that character to life. The makeup was not the character. There was a Mm -mm. very good, very smart very charismatic actor under that makeup a very smart actor who understood the material and what his place was in that story and how he understood the story that Wes Craven was telling and together they I think they made magic
0: I agree 100% and
1: that is one of my favorite movies of all time faith let's talk about this Freddy Krueger (laughs)
0: oh are you sure you really want me to
1: i i am very sure and let me just let me just reiterate what i said earlier if you love this movie love the movie wave your flag show your love for it if you disagree with anything that we say Please let us know. We and remember, because we're living in the age of the internet. We are not attacking you personally. We're not attacking anyone who made this movie. They are. I'm. I'm sure they are fine people. And the people who made this movie are wonderful craftsmen. It's just that the finished product, I don't think, lived up to a standard. No. A standard established 30 years ago. So, so we've established who the character of Freddy Krueger is and the original idea. In the original notes that Wes Craven had for this character, he said that he was a child murderer, in his words, a filthy child murderer. But in the original iteration, he also was a child, a molester. child
0: molester. He said that's the worst thing he could have possibly thought of.
1: The worst thing he possibly could have thought of. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he nixed that idea because at the time in Los Angeles, there was a rash of, of just awful child molestation cases that were coming to court. And he felt that it was exploit. It would have been exploitive to, right. to follow this threat. Now, uh, I know we said we were getting into the, into the new movie and we are, but let's go back to that original movie for a moment. Do you get that vibe from Robert England's Freddie Krueger that he was a child molester on top of a child murderer? No. Or do you, f- so you don't feel that at no, all? No, Looking on it now, you don't feel that it's implied in some way. Mm,
0: not necessarily. I mean, I'm not thinking it when I'm watching it.
1: I and I know a lot of people out there would probably disagree. I've never gotten that vibe. I'm sure you could probably go read very deep into it. Um, he's just a nasty he is. bastard. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is. He is a nasty bastard. This this Freddie they went there yeah they and, and they didn't they
0: shouldn't have and
1: they didn't hint at it they went right for it what did that what did that do for you did, did it did it did it work for you
0: no not at all I was missing old Freddie
1: it it didn't work for me one bit mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. thought it was too much but this gets into the bigger issue with this movie. And that is nothing makes a lot of sense.
0: No, I agree.
1: Nothing makes a lot of sense. You, I, I'm a writer. You write. And, and not only, not only do we write, we appreciate good writing. And I, I'm in awe of what Wes Craven did. The simplicity of the idea that he had with that character of if you fall asleep, you die. That's it. It's that simple. You fall asleep, you die. Now you add on the layer. You have this guy, this biblical wrath of God, because these parents torched him. And two wrongs don't make a right. And he's back and he's wreaking his revenge on the, on the children of these people that torched him. There's a motivation for him there. He is evil to the core and he's, and he's ready to go. This guy's motivation is a little different um because it seems that his motivation was to get Nancy into a coma so so the fiddling could could continue indefinitely and all those murders leading up to it just
0: made no sense just made
1: no sense and a lot of this just did not make sense to me okay. and the things that I liked in the movie, I had to catch myself, the few little moments that I liked in the movie were moments that were from the original movie
0: mm-hmm.
1: that were done a lot better. Yeah. So we've talked about Robert Englund. We've talked about the 84 film. And that film was really about fear. That, that movie was about how you face fear and mm-hmm. how you move into adulthood. And uh, Heather Langenkamp is great in that movie as Nancy is the young woman... As, as a young girl becoming a woman what is this movie about
0: i don't even know i'm sitting here watching this movie lost
3: I.
1: they had the sweater and they had the hat yeah. and they had the glove and he kind of looks burned well he does look burned that's part of the problem it he does look, but he
0: also kind of looks like he got mauled by a bear
1: and and kind of <laughs> looks like a squirrel yeah. um he reminded me of Gary Oldman in Hannibal in, in the bed looking like a, a, a squirrel. And, uh, let's, let's talk about Freddy Krueger in this, or the guy I that they that's, call Freddy yeah, that's in this movie, Fred. um, played by Jackie Earl Haley. Jackie Earl is an Oscar nominee. Jackie Earl is one of the great comeback stories in Hollywood. And, and he is, he, I like him as an actor. He's one of my favorite character actors working, um, I don't think this was his role. And you made some great points while we were getting ready to do the show. What bothered you the most? His mouth. What else bothered you?
0: Everything about him. His voice. <laughs> his, yes, his voice.
1: <laughs> his voice. I didn't like I I appreciated the idea that they wanted to go back to a darker Freddy Krueger and especially in those first 3 movies he did robert england has said too that he became a little bit of a prankster that's fine it's fun you still have those really dark movies and then you you have a lot of shades of of fred and uh this it, he was very monotone the yes. humor didn't land um to, uh,
0: to me he comes off as like a parody like literally just somebody on the internet trying to fan pretend to be Fred Krueger.
1: Fan. It was fan fiction and I felt like when he was trying to be intimidating, it just... I what
0: w- I was going to say that there's no intimidation or fear in his eyes or anything in his delivery.
1: And... And again, he's a very good actor. Right, yeah. He course. was not served by that makeup. Uh-uh. Because that original makeup, Robert England, is is very alive mm-hmm. under there and, and you can see and he has expression. And uh, I'm not blaming the CGI for it, but uh, I will blame the CGI for one of the one of the most iconic sequences from the eighty four film is when he comes through the wall. And uh, do you know how they did that?
0: I feel like you told me before, but I don't remember.
1: They, it was uh, like spandex, like pantyhose, almost, okay. and they and they just they they hung it up and they had him move through the wall. I th- it kind of effect that cost you know a nickel, you know. <laughs> right. Um, this was computer generated, and he was and awesome. he came through, and it just it just didn't work. And again, I uh, I'm sure there are fine people that were making this movie. I really believe that there was a fundamental misunderstanding of who that character, not only who that character is, but what that story really is about. And I just didn't like it.
0: Me neither.
1: That makes two of us. So, uh, real quick before we, before we move on, uh, there's one other thing that we need to talk about and that's the kids in this movie. And, uh, and this is writing one-on-one in the original movie they they're they're all american teenagers kind of people who seem like they live next door to you Mm -hmm. you do have the bad boy and the jock and these things and johnny depp among them but they start off as as pretty normal kids for the most part Mm -hmm. and these kids they seem pretty lifeless from the beginning they do and Again, going back to that fundamental misunderstanding, the relationships between the characters, especially Nancy and her mother,
0: especially Nancy and Fred. See, the whole time I'm watching that one, I'm thinking of the original movie, like the, or the original movies. It's always it's always him and her. It's Nancy and Fred. It's always him and her. He's she's the And so when girl. I'm watching this this new movie, I'm almost thinking this Chris girl is the main character.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm like, where's Nancy? Mm-hmm. There was just there wasn't enough of them together. You would think that this movie. And the she Chris, exist.
1: the Chris storyline really went nowhere. No. She didn't contribute much. When to,
0: when she died, that's when I completely, I started to doze off. Right. I lost it.
1: And, and, and again, not, not to be cruel to the film, but I, I just didn't think it was very good, but go back, go back. Uh, if you're out there, if you, if you, if you want to AB these things, go back and watch the first scene of the 1984, Wes Craven movie, and you see this man's feet in this dark, dirty boiler room. You hear him too. You don't. You never see his face, but you hear him like this. And he, and he skulks over to this workbench, and he makes the glove. You see the glove kind of, kind of flat out. He 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 looks at, it, admires the handiwork, and you're into the movie, and you're into the first nightmare. And we talked about the first shot in Scream last week, the telephone. Mm -hmm. One of the first shots in this movie is those claws come through uh, like a drape, like a curtain. And so fantasy and reality and dreams and what is real. These are these are the ideas that he's going to be dealing with this entire film. Mm -hmm. This movie, after the title sequence, which wasn't I didn't think that the title sequence was horrible. The first shot is of a diner. Right and you go into the back into the into the kitchen and fred attacks and then there's some dialogue and then fred attacks and kills and then there's the title in the original movie you're in the boiler room you're following tina into the boiler room and what does that boiler room represent to you
0: It's hell it is hell
1: it's the maze the minotaur the mythological creature is waiting for you down there the gatekeeper and you have to face him and the boiler room i felt in this movie was there because because it it was in the original because it was in the original (laughs) and there was a lot of things in this movie that i felt were there because it was in the original and again i i i i don't know what they were going for with this uh I think they were trying to make something that they thought was a lot deeper than it. Than yeah. And it really understand, you know,
0: when you like, when you make a remake, you want it to be your own in a way, but that just was too different from right. the original too, too odd.
1: So uh, here's, here's a final thought on, on a nightmare on Elm street. And let me, let me pose this to you. Um, Robert England in an interview said uh, they asked him about the remake and he, he was very diplomatic. He's a very kind man. He seems very, very good hang. And, uh, <laughs> Robert, you need to come be on the show. And that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Yes. The the invite is open. Faith, will you make cake balls for Robert England? Oh, absolutely. Very good. See, Robert, you got to come be on the show, my man. But he said in an interview that he uh, he's very diplomatic. And he said that he thought that the reason that the remake failed with audiences and it failed with the critics and the fans is because uh, the Blu-ray box set of his films had come out the year before and had opened up a whole new generation of fans, um, not only to the franchise, but to him in particular. And he goes to the conventions. He sees the fans. He said he felt that the timing of the reboot was wrong. Do you agree with him on that?
0: I mean, it's a good point, but the movie still isn't good.
1: (laughs) I, I think that the, uh, I think that the movie itself, is the reason it's that the movie it's the movie itself and i
0: think you know he's just trying to be nice
1: and he and and there's still only one freddy yep. frederick charles krueger well i think we've talked enough about the remake of a nightmare on Elm show although i think we talked more about the 84 original i than think we, we did, did. <laughs> which which is as it should be well we are going to go back live by remote to the cozy corner town square we're going back out to our good friend bobby host of afterglow the show that comes on after the late night Friday. bobby are you there
3: yeah i'm back up out here in cozy corner town square listen guys there is some weird shit going on out here
1: bobby you 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 can't say that on the air.
3: Yeah, I'm sorry, there is some strange shit going on out here.
1: This isn't because you just learned that Billy Joel is Jewish, is it?
3: No, 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 I thought about it. And I made him an honorary Italian, so it, it's all good. It's just, it's just, fake, do you smell that? What's it smell like? It smells like hot ass. It is awful, like sulfur, like brimstone, like... Any food has' been left out in a dumpster in the sun it is it is awful, and people's moods have just changed like they're gonna start you know fighting each other, and I'm telling you, I think so many these people out here they've been passing some gas, you know what I'm saying
1: no, I, I know what you're saying faith do you do you know what he's saying?
3: Uh, yeah, I think so.
1: I, I think so. Bobby, I think we know what you're saying.
3: No, what I'm saying is I do not want to be part of no apocalypse happening in Cozy Corner, okay, because, you know, last week I didn't get to do my show, you know, so, you know, I volunteered to come down here and do the remote, you know, because, I mean, I can see you guys in the radio station. By the way, you haven't waved at me. I've been waving since I've been out here. Faith, you you turned. I know you saw me. Anyway, so I just don't want to be part of no apocalypse again, and I especially don't want no apocalypse. What is this stench that's happening out here? So anyway, I'm gonna throw it back to you guys. Like I said, Billy Joel, he's not an Italian, so it's all good.
1: Well, I uh do not I d I don't I don't know. I don't know. I hope we're not I hope we're not cruising for another apocalyptic breakdown. Like I'd like to finish the show, wouldn't you? Yeah, me too. Hey, it looks like we're getting another phone call. Faith, are you up for another phone call? Let's go for it. All right, here we go. You are on the line with the late night fright. WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio, your host, Dan and Faith. Go ahead.
5: Hello, Dan. Hello, Faith. It is I, Antoine DuPlace.
0: Hey, Antoine. How you doing?
5: Hello, Faith. It is good to speak with you again. I would also like to say thank you for selling my new book in the palm of your hand, Fortune Telling for Dummies in the Cozy Cafe. I do enjoy your mochaccinos, and also your cafe au lait. Also, I have sold enough books. I have replaced the rag that was the gas cap in my 1978 Chevette. I now have a proper plastic cap, and I want to say thank you, Faith. It is due to the books that I sold there in the cozy cafe. You're very welcome.
1: Antoine, what's on your mind this evening? Please do not tell me that you have bad news.
5: Well then, I'm afraid that I am the bearer of bad tidings. Once again, I have had a very bad psychic feeling. It started in my little toe, which is very ironic because I stubbed it the other day going to the bathroom. And I don't know if you've ever stubbed your toe, but sometimes the nail can come off, and mine did in this instance. But I felt it from the place where my little toe would be up to my hair, something wicked your way comes... It is not zombies, it is something much darker, it smells of sulfur, in fact, Faith, have you ever played the game Candyland? Yeah, I have. Do you know the tar character covered in chocolate named Gloopy? Yep. It looks just like that, except he's not as jolly and he means you harm. Oh. I do not think... You will finish the show tonight. Also, Faith, Mm -hmm. I would very much like to be able to get a cake ball from the Cozy Cafe Antoine to play out.
1: I think that's a good place to take a break. Yeah. Faith, uh, before we go, can I ask you one question? Sure. Are you willing right now do say on the air that the cozy cafe will at some point in the future be selling cake balls
0: if we can get robert england on the show we will have cake balls
1: we're gonna have to get robert england on the show you hear that cozy corner we're gonna take a break we'll see you on the other side sweet dreams Hey, everybody, it's Dan from The Late Night Fright. Be sure to check out our website, latenightfright.com, and subscribe to our email list. Also, check us out on Instagram at The Late Night Fright Podcast. Sweet dreams. See you on the other side.
2: Hey, it's your old Uncle Fred. Gaining weight can be a nightmare, but I'm here with my new Kruger Core series of exercise tapes. Let me train you. One, two, Freddy's motivating you. Three, four, lose that weight, whore. Don't be a piggy. Get Kruger Core exercise. It's the stuff dreams are made of. Move your ass,
5: bitch! Hey,
1: Faith, Mm -hmm. what are they going to be showing at the King's Palace Drive-In Theater next week?
0: The
2: Predator.
1: Don't you mean the- the, the, the. Yeah. We'll be right back.
2: This is Todd Wick, former Hells Angel, ordained minister, and owner of Holy Smoke, Cozy Corner's premier Christian vape shop. Join me every Sunday at 7 a.m. right here on WKMF as we discuss the latest in vape juices and salvation. Tell them what we've got this week, Shasta. That's my wife.
0: We got menthol s'more vape and Psalm 55:22.
2: Cast your burden to the Lord, and He will sustain you. Now you're vaping, brother.
1: Holy smoke! Every Sunday at 7 a.m. Only on WKMF, Cosy Corner Public Radio. <laughs> All right, we are back. You are listening to The Late Night Fright with your hosts, Dan and Faith. We have another track from our good friend, Weird Gal. And as I said last week, she drops these off to us on cassette tapes. So we have the TASCAM tape player out, and we are going to play a new track from Weird Gal called Somewhere Behind Me. But before we do that, we're just going to have some quick final thoughts on the remakes of Friday the 13th and A Night on Street. Faith... Final thought.
0: Final thought that I don't like either movie. <laughs> Final thought that
1: you don't like either movie. Uh, let's see. Let's let's let's. You know, we were we were pretty harsh on these movies tonight. So let's let's see if we can come up with something positive. You know, because it's it's always good to to leave smiling. So uh, favorite kill.
0: Which movie? We Friday the Thirteenth. Friday the Thirteenth. Um, I think we talked earlier. I liked the part in the tool shed when Chewie, the Asian guy, was killed.
1: That was a good kill. Uh, that was my second favorite kill. My first favorite kill was, I believe it was Willa Ford got it under the pier, <laughs> machete through the head, but Jason Voorhees made sure that he pulled the machete up enough <laughs> to bring her topless body out of the water.
0: Of course, you like that part.
1: And i I thought it was um I thought it was a brutal kill, but a kind of a wickedly comic moment. It was, <laughs> and and it actually it, it made me laugh more than it more than it may have excited <laughs> me. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street favorite kill.
0: I liked when Jesse was killed.
1: The Jesse kill was very good, and it was a nice callback to a Nightmare on Elm Street 2 When uh, at the end of the movie, there's a school bus and Freddie comes up out of out of the girl's chest but i i thought that that was very well done um did you have a favorite performance in in either movie
0: not really nothing stands out to me in either movie um i'm trying to think
1: I, i'm gonna go i'm gonna go Daniel panabaker in friday the 13th yeah I, i'll agree and i know a lot of the critics and audiences liked. uh uh Chewy Aaron Aaron Yu I believe is his name um, I felt a little that was forced um, but I thought Daniel Panabaker was it was, showed up to play and in Nightmare in Elm Street I am going to go with Katie Cassidy
0: I'll agree with you yeah.
1: Katie Cassidy there's she was a very bright spot in a very dark night
0: I just wish she had lasted longer than I,
1: she did I wish she had played the lead So you looking forward to Predator? Absolutely. I'm looking forward to Predator. But before we can get to Predator, here it is Cozy Corner and listeners around the world. This is the world premiere of Somewhere Behind Me by Cozy Corner's favorite singer songwriter, Weird Gal. We'll see you on the other side.
4: you. This is the song. Breath on the back of my neck. Something's on my heels and it won't go away. Like rain on the parade. Somewhere behind me. Somewhere.
1: We are back. You're listening to the Late Night Fright on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan,
0: and I am Faith.
1: So here we go, Faith. Do you smell something in this studio?
0: Yeah, I actually do.
1: It, it it's kind of rank.
0: It really is.
1: Did Did you hear that?
0: Yeah. it was that? Was that you?
1: No, that was not me. I thought it was you. No. I I claim mine. I do too. That oh my gosh oh. Oh, oh it is it is it is getting it is getting Ugh. hot up in this trailer right now. Ugh. We um but uh oh the phone lines are the phone lines are are lighting up of course. Of oh, course. Oh
4: wow.
1: <laughs> Let's see. Uh hello you are on the late night fright with Dan and Faith WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio.
2: Hello, yes, this is
3: me, this is Arnold. I am very happy to be calling in. I stream your show on my computer.
1: Arnold, is in Arnold Schwarzenegger, one of the biggest movie stars and icons of all time.
3: Yes, this is me, Hello, whole face. Hey, Arnold, how you doing? I am very well. I cannot wait to come get iced cappuccino from Cozy Cafe. I want a cake ball. Do you
0: think you can hook me up? Can you get Robert England on our show? I
3: will do what I can. Anyway, I come into town for showing of Predator.
1: I love this movie, Faith. What do you think of this movie? Oh,
3: I love it. Yes, I love the movie too. It's one of my all-time favorites.
5: The Predator senses the
1: heat. <laughs> yes, he he does. He senses he senses the heat. Arnold, do you think we could get you in the studio next week?
3: I would love to come into the studio and do an interview with you. I will drink the Red Bull, so I am up. It is very late for me to be up this late, but we will talk about the predator, the predator, the heat. All right, great, Arnold. Um, we're gonna have to say goodbye. Faith, do you, do you smell that? Yeah, I
0: smell it. Do you? uh,
3: I think I heard something that was not me. I think it was you, too.
1: That was not Faith? It was not me. Oh, my gosh. Hold on. The phone lines are... Hold on. Bobby?
3: Yeah, you guys. It is coming into the studio. It is fleshless. It is real. It is evil. It smells
5: terrible, you guys.
3: Faith? Oh, my God. Look at him. Oh Oh, my... Oh, guys have got to get out the studio. He's going to fart
1: on you. Oh, come on. We have got to get out of here.
0: I can't believe we're not going to finish another show.
1: We are never. We never finish the show.
0: Flashless, that little son of a...